you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here. Move the Six coming at you after an NFL media summit, which uh, happy to report that Bucky and myself both are still employed by the network, so that's good. Still good still news, employed. Bucky. We're still around. We made it. We, we made it through. We, we did everything that we were supposed to do. We were complicit. Uh, we listened to all of the advice and tips, and we're going to try and take some of the things that we learned at a workshop, put them into practice to make a more interesting and compelling podcast. Yeah, we're excited. We've got a bunch of ideas as we head towards the fall uh, but we got you covered as we as we march towards the fall. We got plenty of good episodes coming your way before the first football gets kicked off, including today. We're going to have some fun doing a couple projects we've done in the past, Buck. We're going to rank the divisions by the strength of their quarterbacks, which is a project we've taken on before. And we got a couple other fun topics as well. Yeah, so we're going to rate divisions by quarterback. We're going to talk about the most improved offenses, and then this is always a fascinating topic: picking the top five most explosive players in the National Football League. Yeah, sure to upset plenty of fan bases uh, by who is omitted from a list. When you narrow it down to the five most explosive players in the league, some very explosive players fail to make the list, and we'll, I'm sure, hear about it uh, when we get to social media. Why don't we start it off, though, uh, ranking the divisions by quarterbacks. I always thought this was a fun exercise, and this is something that does go on in personnel buildings around the league. And th- During the summertime, I remember in Baltimore when I was young there, uh, we would go position by position and rank them by division. Then we would go inside the division and rank them within there. So it was kind of a way just as we head towards the season, we even found a little formula where when you kind of added the numbers up and we could equate it to a win total. And to be honest with you, it, didn't, it wasn't that far off. You have to obviously weight the quarterback position. Uh, but this type of exercise is very normal in personnel departments. Yeah, very normal. I think you always want to be abreast of what's going on around the league. And if you talk about the quarterback position being the most important position in football, uh, a lot of times the team's success is weighted by how good their quarterback is. And so I do believe you'll see a little correlation. Uh, It's interesting to rank the division, though, one through eight, uh, because the cellar dweller, it might be a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, we might get some surprise. And and just give you a little preview here. 
Uh, there's a lot of crossover on the list here with us. There's two different. We have uh, two two teams in different orders, and we'll get to that in a second here. But let's start off with who we both agree here is the number one division in terms of quarterback talent, uh, and that is the NFC North, Buck. Yeah, the NFC North, I mean, just looking at it on paper, you don't have a weak link uh, necessarily in the division. You could say the young guy, Mitchell Trubisky, would be the weak link. But when you look at the top of the division, Aaron Rodgers, then you have a very talented player in Matthew Stafford. You have Kirk Cousins coming over, uh, surrounded by a, probably a, a solid supporting cast, which should even allow him to go maybe from good to great as a player. And then you have Mitchell Trubisky, who's being supported by an upgraded supporting cast, a new offensive coach who's going to build an offense around him. So in this division, I think we will see a level quarterback play from one through four. Um, I look at this division. Tell me if you think I'm crazy here. 5,000 yard passing seasons are very rare. No question. Mm-hmm. But when you look at those, a couple of those quarterbacks, I think Stafford's capable of it. Obviously, you know, cousins has put up his big yards. Rogers is capable. They could, there's a chance you could have three quarterbacks in this division, at least approaching 5,000 yards. And then Mitchell Trubisky, we'll get to the bears a little bit later on in terms of the improvement of the roster around him. Uh, so I think this this division is loaded with quarterbacks right now. It's loaded with quarterbacks, and I do believe, like, for sure we could have two 5,000-yard passers. I think when you look at the way the Green Bay Packers are going to have to play, they don't have a solid or established running back. They can throw it all over the yard, and Rodgers makes his point. He goes over 5,000 yards. And then when you look at Matthew Stafford, I know they got LeGarrette Blunt. They they drafted Kerryon Johnson, but they still are going to be a team that has to lean on the receiver core, the receiver core as the Detroit Lions added me when we talked about my, uh, my top five receiver cores. They had two guys that went over 1,000 yards. So now because Matthew Stafford has to throw the ball over the yard, maybe he also goes over the mark. The only reason why I'll say Kirk Cousins won't get over 5,000, I just believe Mike Zimmer won't let that happen. He is going to make them run the ball and will prevent them from allowing Kirk Cousins to just throw it all over the yard in that stadium. I think they have with their defense and with some of that explosive offense too, you could see them kind of put teams away early and just kind of take the air out yep. of the ball. So you might have a good point there. Uh, we get to number two on the list. Again, we're, we're in, in sync here on the number two team, Buck. Why don't you go ahead and reveal that one? Well, I mean, the NFC South, and when you think about Drew Brees, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, all those guys have been league MVPs, right? Every one yep. of those, all three league MVPs. And then you have Jameis Winston bringing up the rear, but he is a guy who still has promise, still has potential. But at the top, all of these quarterbacks have the ability to put their teams on the back and get their teams to the winner's circle. And because of that, that division has always been topsy-turvy because the hot quarterback typically wins. Um, I don't know if you can really knock what any of these guys are doing. I think the most compelling story, though, is what will North Turner do to Cam Newton to help him take his game up a notch? Can he help him become a more efficient and effective passer? Because if he does, then when it comes down to ranking the top quarterback in the division, who knows where you go in that debate? Yeah, and I mean, I think we we always use this analogy on the show. And for those that are loyal listeners, you've heard it a million times. We talk about trucks and trailers, guys at the quarterback position that can pull the rest of their team or guys that are going to necessarily have to be in the back and get pulled, be a trailer, and they have somebody pulling them. I think when you look at the quarterbacks, even though Jameis has been inconsistent, I I still think he's a truck. I think he's capable Mm -hmm. of carrying an offense in terms of giving him control at the line of scrimmage. Being able to, you know, put the ball up as many times. You don't want to put the ball up 40 times. You can win football games. There's some quarterbacks in this league. You put it up 40 times, there's no chance you're going to win. Uh, so when I look at this division, obviously the three MVPs, 
But I would even put Jameis in there as a truck. I think there are four trucks in this division. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about four legitimate franchise guys. I don't think you can question any of those guys on whether they can be QB1s in this league. Um, and actually, when you, when you really talk about it, I think that debate between the NFC North and the NFC South is very, very tight because, yeah. I mean, shoot, I mean, you can go tit for tat going back and forth. I think the one deciding factor, I think we believe that Aaron Rodgers is still the best quarterback in the game, and I think that is the thing that would give that division a nod. No question. Now, we get to number three. Here is the, the first spot where we disagree on the list here. I, I have the NFC West as number three on my list right here, and, and it's pretty simple because you look at, to me, talk about trucks and guys carry teams. Phillip Rivers has carried the Chargers for a long time. Derek Carr has shown when, when he's healthy and his right pieces around him, he can carry an offense. Um, you look at Case Keenum, what he proved last year. Now, I know the sample size is small, uh, but I thought he did a nice job with the Minnesota Vikings. You win 13 games, you're doing something right. Uh, so to put him in there as the third best quarterback in that division. And then the ultimate wild card, uh, the guy we've been talking a bunch about during the offseason, Pat Mahomes, uh, taking over for Alex Smith and the Kansas City Chiefs. The ability is, is, is off the charts. Now, we need to see it happen, and there's a little bit of guesswork there. But the talent is there. So I like the big three that I have at the top. And then I have Mahomes there in that fourth spot. I, I think that division right now, the AFC West, in great shape at the quarterback spot. See, I'm with you with the first couple guys. I'm with you on Phillip Rivers. I'm okay with you on Derek Carr. The issue Buck, that I have. Fuck, I can't even read. I can't even read. I have the NFC West. I mean, I know that, but I was going with it. I was like, Why'd maybe. Why'd you interrupt me, man? You I was like, be maybe, a friend. I was like, maybe it was the. Maybe you did the, the total points. Like, maybe the that's why. I, switch real? The I have the AFC West at four, I have the NFC West. One spot ahead of them. I'm glad this is on audio or on video. People just see me shaking my head right now and losing my mind. Uh, I did have – I had AFC West at four. I have NFC West at three. And that one, I can go through that pretty quick here. When you look at the NFC West, it's the young guns. You talk about Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you, you look at uh, – who else am I missing here? Arizona. Russell. We'll see what happens with Rosen and Bradford there. And then uh, who's the – oh, Russell Wilson. Russell Hello. Wilson. Couple, been Russell in the Super Bowl, been to a couple. Uh to me, this is the best young division. You look at guys kind of right in their prime. Not too young, not too old, right in that sweet spot. They are right in the sweet spot. A lot of this, in terms of having them number three, you're really banking on Jimmy G playing at a high level. Like, I think yeah, he You're is Mr. Jimmy G. What are you talking about what banking mean, on Jimmy Mr. G? I'm just saying you're banking on him playing at a high level because to put him over top of the NFC East – I'm just saying, you're saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is better than some of those other quarterbacks. And other All right, well, hold up, hold up. Let me ask you that. you got to go win a game tomorrow, and I give you a choice of Jimmy Garoppolo or Alex Smith. Who are you taking? I'm going to take Alex Smith. Yeah, I think I might take Jimmy G. I'm going to take Alex Smith. I'm, I mean, I know and Jimmy I, G I don't even undefeated. ask you about Dak Prescott. I mean, I, I, I mean, ask you come on. Joe like, Montana or Dak Prescott. You I take mean, Dak Prescott. Not Joe Montana, but Dak Prescott over over. Johnny Unitas, how about that one? <laughs> I'm just saying, Dak, Dak Prescott, I would, I would tell you, just a longer track record. Longer track record. I mean, when we look at Jimmy G, you saw Richard Sherman just had the piece where Jimmy G has a tail. And we will see next season will be fascinating yeah, to watch. Him out. Yeah, it'd be fascinating to watch Jimmy G as they get more tape because I know we're excited about him, but when you really look at the number, and I know the most important number, he was 5-0 and last year with San Francisco 49ers. But the numbers weren't. Overly impressive. Seven touchdowns, five interceptions, ninety mid nineties passer rating. That's fine, but I mean, I think we're in in the how about the, how about the whole clutch? How about the whole clutch situation though? When you need it, when you gotta have it, we'll see. Still pretty good putting the ball in his hands. We'll see what the clutch situation looks like when the games are very very meaningful. 
How about that? That's so all, I'm not down on him. I'm just saying, like, we are really anointing him. We're giving him a, a statue. And Dude, a you've, been, you've been driving the, the first car in the parade, the Garoppolo been, parade. I have not been driving the bus on Jimmy yes. Garoppolo getting the gold jacket. You you are all on. You man. No, I, I do I do admire one thing about you, though, Buck, is that you have uh, you have clung to that Alex Smith pre-draft grade like you would cling to a baby no, no, no. A, I, on a boat in a I gave storm. Him a bottom, like I gave him a bottom of the first him. I gave him a bottom of the first round grade. I gave him a seven point oh bottom of the first round grade. I'm just saying last year the guy played at a high level. I don't know how you can knock anything oh, he that he did last year. So if that's what I what, what did Andy Reid think of it? I mean look, just because Andy Reid made a decision doesn't mean it's the right decision. We'll see what that's fair Pat Mahomes. Fair I've point. heard about the Ferrari coming out of the garage. They're gonna let it out. Then I go take a cover. We'll see what it's like in the rain. It rains a lot uh, in Kansas right. City. Get us back on track then. So I have NFC North, NFC South, we agree. Then I have the NFC West, then AFC West. Uh, but you, I you just got have, the, I you just have, have NFC East at three? Yeah, I have the, man, come on. Like, I got five quarterbacks. I have the Wentz Foles combination because those guys are kind of even. Um, then I kind have even come I on. mean, I'm like one, like one guy played at an MVP level. The other guy won a Super Bowl. So, I mean, I don't know. It's a nice tag team. Um, <laughs> then you have, you have <laughs> Alex Smith coming over, coming off in a uh, solid Pro Bowl season. You have Dak Prescott, one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. And then you have a two-time Super Bowl winner in Eli Manning who gets a rebuilt offense to help him. I just think the depth and the talent in that division exceeds what we'll see from the NFC West and some of the other divisions. Right, now we, we get look. I, no, we'll see. I think Eli's the kind of the he's the key to this whole deal. He's um, the albatross. He, he's the albatross holding it down. Yeah. Well, can he can he get it going? There's a lot of pieces. We're going to get down to uh, our most improved offensive segment once we finish this, and, and you might hear a little bit more about Eli Manning. But uh, uh, they've got a lot of pieces in place for him to have a big year. It's all on him. There's no excuses uh, built in going forward. But uh, all right. So NFC West, AFC West for me. Uh, at the three four spot, you've got NFC East. Uh, yeah, so we AFC just flipped. West, yeah, right? we just flipped. We we flipped three and five, but we're fine. We're in agreement on the AFC West with Philip Rivers, uh, Derek Carr, and then you have Case Keenum. You're a little higher on Case Keenum than I am. I want to see what it looks like outside of that fair. comfort zone in Minnesota. He did it for one year. Can he sustain it? And then the biggest wild card is Pat Mahomes. Which Pat Mahomes are we going to see? I know everyone in Kansas City has these illusions of him throwing the ball 90 yards to Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins running free. I just wonder if teams are going to take that away and make Pat Mahomes prove that he can be an efficient uh, dink and dunk passer because that would be the biggest thing that I would question watching him in college. Can he commit to being a guy that kind of carves you up with a bunch of paper cuts as opposed to putting out the machete and being kind of like the big play man? No question. All right. And then so then I end up having the NFC East at five. You mentioned it. We're just different. They're at three and five. And then we get to six, seven, eight. And we kind of we realign here because we have the same list going six through eight when you rank the quarterbacks. And I think it might surprise some people when we get to number eight. But we start at number six here. We've got the AFC South. Yeah, the AFC South. Um some of the conversation will be about Marcus Mariota. Uh, you talk about Blake Borders leading his team to the championship game. But really, they are buoyed by the fact that Deshaun Watson was so spectacular when we had a chance to see him in seven games. This is a guy that really transformed the Houston Texans offense and made it an unstoppable juggernaut. Uh, we saw them do creative things that we had never seen Bill O'Brien implement. We saw the quarterback display more poise, uh, confidence, and moxie. Was a fairly accurate passer, but really pushed the ball down the field very, very well. 
The trick for Deshaun Watson will be how does he bounce back and respond to coming off another injury because he was injured before at Clemson. How does the league change and catch up to what the Houston Texans did a season ago? And then what will Bill O'Brien do to advance the offense? How many more bells and whistles can he put on the car? How can he help his young quarterback continue to take his game to the next level? And to me, I think health is a big deal with this division. If if you fast forward a year from now, Deshaun and Deshaun plays a full 16. If Andrew Luck plays a full 16, then this this is not the sixth best division in terms of quarterbacks. They jump way up the list because the talent of those two guys need to get them healthy for a full 16. And then, I mean, look, we, we had some fun with him in the past because of some issues that he had. We got we we gave Blake Bortles his due though in the postseason. He played well. Now, can he take that that confidence carry it over to this year? Uh, and be a little bit more consistent week one through week 16. I like the pieces they have in front of him with the offensive line. He's got a run game. He's got a lot of different guys he can spread the ball around to. Uh, to me, it's it really with a confidence thing. We can talk about the mechanics. We can talk about this, that, or the other. I thought, to me, he, he lost some of that hesitance he had when he was struggling and just started to let it go a little bit. If he can do that for a full season, I think this is one of the best divisions in the league in terms of young quarterbacks, but it hinges on some health and some continued confidence there with Blake Bortles. Yeah, the two asterisks that you will put by two quarterbacks. One would be Andrew Luck because I'm still a little bit concerned. Some people aren't concerned. The fact that he hasn't thrown the Duke consistently, the big football, the NFL ball. He's been throwing the college ball and some smaller balls because he talked about the arm rotation and different pulls on the joints. We will see what it looks like when they get into training camp in preseason. And then with Blake Bortles, can he sustain his level of play uh, being able to can be a confident quarterback because really everything for him hinges on his confidence. If he's a confident player, he plays a little more decisive, is a little more aggressive, takes care of the ball, makes plays, the offense works. So it's really on him. And then really the guy who doesn't really get talked about, but he had a bad season last year, Marcus Mariota. Yeah. Marcus Mariota has to bounce back. New, better in the playoff game. Better, better in the, better playoff, in the game. playoff game. But let's see what he does with Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur is going to challenge him. Maybe he's a little more traditional. But can Marcus Mariota play in a traditional sense? We have seen him at his best when he's on the move, doing some of the things he did at Oregon. I know that he has talked about wanting to grow his game and be a more of a traditional quarterback. But let's see if his skills match what his desires are and see if he can kind of make that happen. It's an unusual or uncommon transformation to go from being an athletic playmaker that does a lot of stuff unprompted off the script to being a disciplined, focused, efficient pocket passer. Let's see if he can make that transition. Marcus, if Marcus Mariota, I'll say that if Marcus Mariota has a B season, not even a B plus season, if he has a B season, uh, Matt LaFleur will be what the youngest head coach in the NFL oh, a year from now. Absolutely. He has an opportunity to be that because he would have jumped from He's the Atlanta. Tree. Yeah. It's Atlanta, the tree. It's a Sean, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. He gets Marcus. Next. If he gets Marcus Mariota right, he would be at the front line. He'd be at the first seat at the head coaching table uh, in 2019. Yeah, quarterback whispers are in high demand and young, energetic guys. Uh, that's in vogue right now. So uh, he could definitely benefit if he has a good year from the quarterback there. So that's what we have at number six. We get to number seven, Buck. It seems like maybe this is a little bit low where we have these guys when you consider the Super Bowl appearances and wins that you have represented in this division. Um, I, I don't think there's a real you know, terribly weak link in it. Uh, we're talking about the AFC North. Yeah, the AFC North. So Big Ben is the headliner. He's the guy that kind of carries the division. Um, and on that alone, maybe you can say, hey, we should push that division up to fifth or sixth. But then I think it's the others that kind of drag yeah. it down. Andy Dalton has been, eh. Joe Flacco is, eh. 
man, we don't even know if he's going to start. And then Tyrod yeah. Taylor, some people will be like, mm, I want better. And so when you have three guys that we'll say are C-level players and then you have a B-plus, A-level player in Ben Roethlisberger, it's hard to kind of rush that division up the charts when some of the other divisions have guys that have shown more promise and potential despite having injuries and setbacks. Now, we'll get some grief from the, from the fan bases in this division, I'm sure of it. But just ask yourself this question. The Baltimore Ravens, the way they felt about Joe Flacco, they told us on draft day. Yep. Um, you look at Tyrod, who, you know, look, he's played pretty, he's played pretty well. Uh, gets Buffalo in the playoffs last year. He's a good player. It tells you what the Cleveland Browns think of him at, at his young age. They spent the number one overall pick on a quarterback. Yeah, because uh, for, as much as I, for as much as I like Tyrod Taylor and even Joe Flacco, both of these guys could be sitting on the bench by week eight. And so you have to take that in consideration. They have guys that are in the wings waiting to take the QB1 job. Now, their play could keep them in the starting role, but you just don't know. It's hard to have a lot of confidence in this division when you have guys that are still kind of playing for their jobs. No question. And then that leaves number eight on the list. And I, it seems weird to say it because you've got the GOAT in this division and we're saying it's the worst division for quarterbacks. But it, it is what it is. You've got the AFC East. You've got Tom Brady. Uh, he alone, you could you can make the case, okay, maybe they belong up higher, but we're talking about a collection here. It's not who's the you know, one individual player inside this division. But outside of Tom Brady, you've got question marks. You've got two rookie quarterbacks in Buffalo uh, and with the New York Jets who have a lot of ability, but they're rookies. We've yet to see it. Uh, to see what's going to happen there. And you've got Ryan Tannehill coming off of an injury. So, uh, look, it's Tom Brady and, and everybody else in this division, without question. Yeah, Brady versus everyone. Because with the Jets and the, and the Bills, you're wondering, when would the young quarterback get on? And then in Miami, the serious question is not necessarily about Ryan Tannehill coming back from injury. Is how good is Ryan Tannehill? Is Ryan yeah. Tannehill a middle-of-the-pack quarterback? Is he a guy that has the potential to be a top-ten quarterback? What is he? It's hard to make that determination because he has been maddeningly inconsistent throughout his time and his tenure as a starting quarterback. And so can Adam Gase find a way to get him to play at a consistently um, high level? I don't know. I just don't know because I just don't know if he's ever going to be the guy that can play as a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, this is a huge year for him. I mean, this is uh, this is kind of you, you find out with the Dolphins what you have in Ryan Tannehill. He's comfortable in this system. He's got a proven play caller there. I know they've swapped out some pieces around him, but I still think there's some talent at the wide receiver position. He'll have places to go with the football. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what he does this year. I, I know one thing. This is the it goes to the jury. It definitely goes to the jury after this season about whether Ryan Tannehill moves forward as a quarterback of this team or whether they jump in, in the quarterback market. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Drew Locke in Miami next year. Uh, who knows? But uh, this is a, definitely the tell-all year for Tannehill in this in this offense. All right, there you go. There's the rankings of, of the divisions by quarterbacks. Buck, let's jump into the most improved offenses. What do you say? Yeah, let's get right to it. All right, let's start. Uh, we'll start number one. We'll go to five, and and I've. Put the number, talking about points, you know, look, you can talk about yards all you want, passing, running, it, it comes down to points. So when I say most improved, I'm looking at where these teams and these offenses finished in points scored last year and the improvement I see them making this year. We've talked about this together. We've got some good teams down here, and I think we're going to see massive jump. And I start with number one uh, with the Browns there. You don't get any worse, Buck. 32nd in points. There are only 32 teams. When you look at the additions they've made, we talked about Tyrod Taylor. We'll see if he can hold on to that position and hold off Baker Mayfield. It kind of looks like he will. Uh, Jarvis Landry, Carlos Hyde, you draft a Nick Chubb. You get a healthy Gordon out there. 
you know, we know what a freak he is if he can stay healthy and stay uh, clean off the field. And then I think the under uh, underreported aspect of this offense making a big leap is some continuity up front along that offensive line. You know, you get Zeitler back, you get Treader back, you get Petonio back. I know you lose a Joe Thomas, but I think that interior group being together again uh, will be big going forward. I'm bullish on the Cleveland Browns making a major jump offensively. When you look at the offensive personnel that they have, they have B-plus talent throughout. If you rank their offense, I would say they now have a B-plus offense in terms of their personnel, the offensive line, the way it blends, and you have a new play caller in Todd Haley. Um, I like Tyrod Taylor starting. Um, Can Tyrod Taylor put everything on the offense on his shoulder? No. But I think what the Cleveland Browns have done is they've assembled um, a nice core of players around him that can elevate his game. Josh Gordon and Jarvis Landry, you could argue two of the best wide receivers in the game when they're right. I think this wide receiver core has an opportunity to be a top five wide receiver core when you include the tight ends and some of the auxiliary playmakers. In the run game, Carlos Hyde proved in San Francisco that he could be solid. You get Duke Johnson, a guy who is a natural playmaker out of the backfield in the passing game. Behind that offensive line, I think the Cleveland Browns would take a major jump. I don't know how many wins that's going to translate into, but this is going to be a team that is very, very competitive in the AFC North. We have them as number one most improved offense. How about number two on the list, Buck? The Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are doing what a lot of teams are doing or that have had success when you look at what the Philadelphia Eagles were able to do and what the L.A. Rams were able to do. You ride with the quarterback the first year, see what he can and what he can do. The second year, you go and get players that can mask some of his deficiencies and enhance his strengths. And Mitchell Trubisky, you now know that, look, this is a guy that is most comfortable in a spread formation, spread offense, doing some of the things he did at North Carolina. Matt Nagy comes in, brings Mark Helfrich, who is a spread innovator and guru from Oregon. They then go out and get some playmakers. Allen Robinson comes over to be the number one receiver. You get a little speed player and Taylor Gabriel. Trey Burton comes and gives them a second tight end. You then go and upgrade the offensive line. You already had two backs and Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard who could get it done. I just simply believe that even if Mitch Trubisky is average, the offense is going to score more points because they have more weapons around him. I, I like the fact of the the flexibility they have and some of the depth that they've created. When you go out and get guys like James Daniels and you have guys like Kyle Long, you got a lot of guys on this offensive line that can play multiple positions. So it always allows you to keep your best five on the on the field, which I think is huge. Then you go, you've got you get Adam Shaheen last year, you added Trey Burton, you've got a couple tight ends with different skill sets. You can mix and match there. And then we look at the receiving core. We talk about it all the time. Coach Billick's famous line, you want to build a basketball team. Different sizes, different skill sets. You bring over an Allen Robinson, you get your power forward. You bring over a Taylor Gabriel, you get your point guard. Uh, so they've got a, a, a lot of variety, a lot of flexibility. And when you have flexibility with personnel and you have a creative play caller like they have now with Nagy, you mentioned in Helfrich, there are some creative guys uh, offensively, I think it's going to be fun to watch this Bears team. 29th in scoring last year, Buck. I think they make a big jump. I do think they make a huge jump. I think this is going to be a much better team. The division is tough. It's tough sledding. The defense is going to have to make some plays. But offensively, the Bears should be a fun team to watch. I'm excited to see what Matt Nagy does with Mitchell Brisky, how he gets the young guy up to par. And we referenced this a little bit earlier in the show. Number three on the list, we've got the Giants. Man, 31st in points last year. Are you kidding me? 31st. But you get, a, you get a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. That changes everything. Then you go out and draft a Saquon Barkley. Um, you've got a good play caller there now in Shermer. I think that's a good fit there. You address the offensive line with Nate Solder in free agency. You come back in the draft, and you get Hernandez from UTEP, who's just a mauler in the run game and can plug in and play a guard. 
and then to me, kind of the wild card, we, we've talked about him a little bit in the offseason. I think Evan Ingram's going to be a superstar, Buck. I, I really do. I think when you look at what Jordan Reed was able to do when he was healthy, hasn't been often, but when the impact he has as a healthy tight end, I think Evan Ingram can do all that and maybe even a little bit more, which sounds crazy to say. Yeah, I'm all in on the New York Giants. I think the New York Giants are going to contend for the title in the NFC East. When I look at this team, they've done everything they could in their power to make sure that Eli Manning has all the weapons to return to playing at a high level. We'll see if he can do it, but when I look at Odell Beckham Jr. coming back. He is the most important player on their offense. The offense has traditionally gone through him. He makes a ton of plays, sets the table for the rest of the guys. You now and go and get Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley's presence in the backfield creates a dilemma for defensive coordinators. Do we defend the run and try and take him away, running between the tackles? But if we do that, how do we sell out if we have to match up with him in the passing game? Few linebackers are going to be able to match up with him on those isolated routes coming out the backfield. He is going to be a problem. And then when you add in the offensive line, but the guy that you mentioned, Evan Ingram being a star, having someone Mm -hmm. that can control the middle of the field is a difference. It's a huge impact for the New York Giants. We saw it years and years ago when they had Jeremy Shockey, how big of a role he played in that offense. Evan Ingram is going to be a terrific player. I believe he could be a Pro Bowl player in his second season. Eli Manning is going to set him up for a lot of big-time plays, particularly down the red zone. This offense is going to look drastically different than it did a season ago. I'm with you. Uh, we have them number three in our most improved offenses here in the offseason. How about uh, number four on the list, Buck? Uh, number four, the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers are just, look, they're committing to being who they are, who they've always been. The Green Bay Packers are not a physical team. They're not going to run the ball. They're going to throw <laughs> the ball all over the yard. And I think they finally come to grips with, look, this is who we are. This is how we're going to play. When Mike McCarthy made the proclamation that they're going to be a running back by committee team, to me it says they're going to get back to doing what they did a few years ago with Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery was at his best when he was really the hybrid player, meaning he was listed at wide receiver, occasionally he would go into the backfield, get a handful of carries, but really he's a fifth wide receiver on the field. Now with Jimmy Graham being the red zone weapon at tight end, they're going to spread the field, and they're basically going to hand the ball to Aaron Rodgers, and they're going to say, you make us great. Go do it, big fella. And that's what he's going to continue to do. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think, you know, those two backs and how much they're going to use them in the run game, we'll see. We'll see if that's to be determined yet. But when you look at Aaron Jones and the skill set he has, I think catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. We know Jamal Williams can do that coming out of BYU. Uh, so you got some nice skill sets there. Backs in year number two. I think you see both those guys take a nice uh, step forward. But to me, this is all about Aaron Rodgers. You keep Aaron Rodgers healthy and on the field uh, the entire season. Uh, you're going to be just fine. And I, I think that's that's what's going to happen. I think he does – Aaron Rodgers kind of do for that big year. It, it just feels like it's coming. The payday is probably going to come before we even get to the start of the regular season. Uh, but this, to me, feels like this is the year with Aaron Rodgers. We're going to see him go back and remind everybody why he's the most talented quarterback in the NFL. We say Brady's the best of all time. He's the greatest of all time. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers, I think we would pretty much all agree, is the most gifted quarterback in the NFL. That's still the case. I mean, I don't think it's any question. He's, he's number one. He's numero uno. I think if you're the Green Bay Packers, you want to get back to making a legitimate run in the playoffs, you have to give the ball to number 12 and let number 12 carry you in. That defense will make some plays because it's going to be kind of a hit-or-miss defense in terms of all or nothing when it comes to blitzing and coming after the ball. But offensively, if they can get 28 points a game, that should be more than enough to get them to 10, 11, 12 wins. And once you get into the tournament, we have seen that Aaron Rodgers can get you to the winner's circle. 
This is all about him getting back on track and then Joe Philbin going back to help them get back to the roots of what that offense was for years and years when Aaron Rodgers was a starting quarterback. At 21st in points last year, I think this is top 10 offense uh, this year. They keep the quarterback healthy. Uh, number five on the list, kind of rounding it out. You've talked a bunch about this uh, throughout the offseason. But the Titans, this is a fascinating team to watch here in the offseason. When you make the coaching change, uh, talk about Matt LaFleur coming and head, head up this offense. Good year there. He's going to be a head coach. But get Mar- Marcus Mariota healthy. Get him comfortable. Get him flowing. Get him going. And then I love the backfield combination you have with Derrick Henry. You bring over Deion Lewis. And Corey Davis, I think, has a big breakout year here uh, coming up in year number two. I mean, I like everything about what they've done in the offseason. Okay, so Marcus Mario, do you want to play like a real quarterback? You want to play like a traditional quarterback? Great. We're going to give you the things that traditional quarterbacks have. Last year, they drafted Corey Davis in the top five to make sure that they had a playmaker, number one receiver for him. So that is in play. They got two running backs now, Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry does the heavy lifting as a runner. Deion Lewis can do a mix of things as a hybrid playmaker. Then you get the play caller, Matt LaFleur, who watched not only Kyle Shanahan get Matt Ryan up and going playing at an MVP level, he just sat and saw Sean McVay turn Jared Goff from bust to a baller. So let's yeah. see what he's able to do with Marcus Mariota. He takes some of those tips and tricks and implements it and sprinkles it on Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota could play at maybe an MVP level in that division. Yeah, it's Titans 19th in points last year. I think they got a chance to be a really balanced offense. You know, I see what they can do throwing the football, but I think nice mix there at the running back position. And I just think the 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 support he's going to get from a coaching standpoint is going to be the biggest difference. Obviously, staying healthy is big, but I think some creativity added into the mix there is going to help Marcus Mariota. One point I want to bring up, Buck, I was talking to somebody at our uh, uh, at our little media summit that we just had and referencing a conversation he'd had with a head coach and talking about the direction of the league. And we're talking about most improved offenses today. And some would say, okay, well, probably should do the same thing for most improved defenses. Uh, but one of these uh, one of these coaches told one of, one of the buddies I was talking to there, said, look, we're coming off of a year in the Super Bowl where the team that won the Super Bowl gave up 613 yards. So we can talk about defense wins championships all you want. This is a scoring league. The rules are, are bent in the direction of the offense. You've got to be explosive. You've got to score points. And I think it's, it's fascinating to see all these young quarterbacks we have in the NFL surrounding them with health, not only you know playmakers and protection, but play callers. And it's going to be I, – I, we're turning the arena league, man. It, it is, it is, you got to score 40 points a game is where it's kind of headed. It's just offense, offense, offense. That's why it's going to be fascinating to see these five teams, uh, the leap they take from last year to this year. I think that's the biggest thing that we have to get used to. Uh, for so long, all those old cliches, all those old idioms about defense wins championships, yes, you have to get stops, but it's absolutely about arena league play. Meaning if you get us two or three stops – that's how we win. It's not about holding people under 100 rushing yards. It's not about no. holding quarterbacks under 300 passing yards. The way the league is set up, offense has all the advantages. So now it's incumbent upon teams to hire great offensive coordinators who have the ability to kind of put their foot on the gas and make the offense go. And so play callers, quarterbacks, those are going to be the deciding factors when it comes down to looking at teams to have a chance to really go all the way. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch here, no question. Those are the offenses we see uh, making a big improvement from last year to this year. All right, this is what I'm excited for. We've been talking about this, teeing this up a little bit. Five most explosive players in the NFL. Could be offense, could be defense. Let, let's work five to one here, Bucky. Why don't you start us off with your list? You just work five to one, then I'll rip off my list. 
He'll go at five. A lot of people will be surprised. But I'm going to say Antonio Brown from the Pittsburgh Steelers is fifth on my list. Big-time playmaker, catch-and-run specialist. He is a guy who is dynamic with the ball in his hands. You talk about a guy that consistently leads the league in 20-plus yard catches, does a great job of getting it done, and he gets it done despite facing a ton of double and even triple coverage. His ability to make plays short, intermediate, and vertical gets him a big spot on this list. All right, get us to number four here. Who's next? Just run through them. Okay, number four on my list, how about Von Miller? Von Miller, sack artist, cat-like quickness off the ball, can turn the corner, can knock people around. His ability to win one-on-ones just on speed, quickness, and power, he deserves to be number four on my list. On number three, man, this guy always pieces out when he gets the ball in open field. Tyreek Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs, explosive player. This is a guy that can get it done as a returner, a runner, a receiver. Whenever he gets the ball in open field, every defense coordinator in the league takes, holds his collective breath. This guy can score from anywhere on the field. He deserves to be on the list. Number two, Odell Beckham Jr. I know he was away for a year, but don't forget the feats and exploits that he put up those first four years in the league. Terrific playmaker. Really is the catalyst of that Giants offense. His ability to get from point A to point B is unparalleled. He gets in an offense this year with Pat Shermer. Look for him maybe to go over the 2,000-yard mark as a receiver. And number one, it is crazy in a league that we talk about is all about scoring. I'm going to go with a defender. Aaron Donald is the most disruptive player on defense. He is the best player, arguably, in the league. His ability to knock quarterbacks down from an interior position is unrivaled. He deserves to be number one. I just got to take the guy. He's so disruptive. Uh, no, I like that. I like your list here, Bucky. But I, I added an extra defensive player. I try and spread the love here. And, and you, you, I love Aaron Donald, but you whiffed on the number one guy. Oh, I'm, I'm going to tell you why here. I'm going to tell you why as we go here. Todd Gurley, number five on my list, most explosive players. You see it when he's running the ball. You see him catch the ball out of the backfield. Once he kind of hits that speed button, you can see that raw explosiveness take over. You don't hit as many home runs as he does without having a big-time explosive trait, and he's got it. Number four on my list, I like to sprinkle in some defensive players. Jadevian Clowney was the most explosive defensive player we saw enter the league in quite some time, and we've seen when healthy that same explosiveness. His ability to convert speed to power off the edge or just win purely with his speed is phenomenal. You watch him in the run game on the backside. You better account for Jadavian Clowney because he's going to close the back door in a hurry. He's an outstanding football player and my fourth most explosive player in the league. Go to the receiver position at number three. I go Julio Jones. I know the touchdowns were down last year, but you talk raw explosiveness. He covers ground and he covers it in a hurry. You watch for somebody that big, how he explodes out of the break point. It is just rare. Uh, He's our new version of Calvin Johnson in this league. I have Julio Jones number three on my list. Aaron Donald, you had him at number one. I don't argue with anything that you said, Buck, but I have him at number two on my Mm. list. He's the most explosive defensive player. You see not only the quickness he has, but the power. He doesn't need much space to generate that power. Just raw explosiveness is what you get from Aaron Donald. And I think you had this guy at number three on your list. Number three. This is, this is not a debate to me. If you watch the NFL at any point in time and you see Tyreek Hill on the field, he looks different than everybody else out there. He is clearly the most explosive player in the NFL. And on a field full of fast people, he's, one of he's running at a different He's one of the speed. most you explosive. You check your TV to see if you've got a button pushed or something. This doesn't look normal. 
It doesn't look normal. He is one of the, look. I said he's one of the most explosive. I got him at three. You got him at one. He's, D. he's not one. He's D. Nah, I mean, I don't know if he's the most explosive. He is a very explosive player. A guy that gets it done in a lot of different ways. Number one, Who's though, the fastest player in the NFL, Bucks. I mean, he might Put be the fastest. He might be might be the fastest, but it's Mike, more to being explosive than no just Mike being fast. He is. They're a bunch of fast guys in the league. Ted Ginn is fast. I don't see you have him on the list. Ted it's Ginn's more than that. It's about Tyree putting the ball we we, we, in the we paint. We need to go through this. Come on, put the ball in the paint. All right. I like Aaron Donald. You like Aaron Donald. Let's just agree on that point. How about uh, that? Aaron there. Donald should be number one. All right, Buck. That was a fun exercise there. Five most explosive players in the league. The one that I struggle with because the numbers are there to support it. And I think he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. But Antonio Brown, I, I, I just I don't know if I classify him in that raw explosive category or if he's just so dang quick. Uh, it's it's a different way. You know, people ask, what's the difference between being quick and being explosive? Quick is in that kind of short area, and the explosiveness is just the ground. To me, it's that ground you can cover immediately. Um, I, I classify Antonio Brown a little bit more in the quickness thing. Then in, although he is explosive, I just don't put him, you know, if you say explosiveness, I would say Julio Jones and Tyree Kill more explosive than Antonio Brown. Not better players, just more explosive. I would agree. I think the big thing for Antonio Brown, I've wrote down, more quick than fast. And when you go back and you look at his 40 time, he's a 4-5-7. By comparison, Tyreek Hill would be like a 4-3-ish type player. Yeah. And like there's a difference. I think the big thing that makes Antonio Brown so hard to deal with is he's a natural punt returner, meaning he can slip and slide. He can get out of tight spaces. He has enough speed to take it the distance. But really, his stop-start quickness is his selling point, his ability to make you miss. And so quickness over speed. Terrific player. Does a great job of putting up those splash plays. Just does it in a little different fashion than we see a Tyreek Hill or even a Odell Beckham Jr. do consistently on a week-in, week-out basis. Uh, I'm with you. In, in terms of what we've got uh, going up on the website right now, I've got a, a first-look series and looking at these college players, my first look at them over the summer. I've got Dexter Lawrence. I believe that is posting soon from Clemson, so you can check out that uh, report. What do you got coming up on NFL.com this week? Well, this week in my notebook, I am taking a play off of what we talked about on the podcast. I'm putting up my top five defensive triplets. I'm going to talk a little bit about Big Ben Roethlisberger, the contract situation, and how they can maintain the offensive triplets that many will say are the best in the game. And then we got some notes, Baker Mayfield, some other guys, just talking about what is going on in the league. All right, be sure to check out Bucky's notebook, NFL.com slash Bucky Brooks. You can find it there. Uh, that's going to do it for us today, Buck. Fun episode. I'm at, here I am thinking we're going to do a 15, 20-minute pod, and then we just stretch this thing out. This is too, too much to talk about. It's always something to talk about in the NFL. Always something to talk about. Very exciting times. Getting ready, getting ready. The season is coming. All right. Yeah, thanks to uh, Hytham for holding the fort down today, Sully. Getting a little break here. He'll be back in the saddle here pretty soon. But uh, hope you guys have enjoyed listening to this. Be sure to download, subscribe, leave us a uh, ranking or review on Apple Podcasts. We do appreciate it. Uh, That's going to do it for us today. We'll catch you back here on Move the Sticks next week. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.